to the podcast from the Sunday night service at New Life Church. The Sunday night service reflects a desire to be rooted in the historic expressions of faith while engaging God with our whole being in the world today. For more information on New Life Church, you can visit our website at newlifechurch.org. We're, uh, we're, we're in the series here, the Sticks and Stones series, and um, this is all about our relationships with one another and the fact that we belong to one another and what exactly that means and how it affects the way that we live. And so I know you got to hear from my good friend, uh, Pastor Aaron Stern, over the last couple of weeks, and I hope you enjoyed him. Uh, I did hear, yeah, that's, well, he's not here, you don't have to applaud. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> But I, I could, because I heard that he told a story about me last week, and, uh, and he told a story about how I called him a, a, a mean name one time during a, a fight, and uh, it's true. <laughs> and it's interesting because tonight's talk is gossip, you see, and so I was tempted as I thought about the stories I could tell. No. The, <laughs> the, the truth is, Aaron and I have been really, really good friends, and we still are. In fact, we were just out, my wife and I were just out with Aaron and his wife last night, and, and uh, we could, you know, talk forever. And there's something special about that, you know, if you, if you have people in your life that you've been friends for a long time, there's something special about those relationships where you, you have the history, uh, but it's been long enough to where there's some ugliness to the history, too. You know, there's some dark moments in it, there's some bad chapters to it, uh, but you kind of stick it out, and you work through it, and you sort of, you know... Um, it was special, really, really special for me to be back in Malaysia a few weeks ago. Let's see, I left on September 13th, and I was there until I think the 21st. Um, all I know is it took 26 hours to fly over there, and the day after I arrived, I started doing uh, 10 sessions in four days, and then the day after that, I took another 26-hour trip back. So I sort of lost track of what happened on what day. But one of the things is, I do appreciate all your prayers, by the way. A number of you have said that you prayed, and I appreciate that. For those of you that didn't, that's all right. But, um, but I, was, I did feel carried by the prayers of, of you, particularly on day three or day four of the conference when, uh, when, when strength was running a little low, and I was worried about how coherent I was going to be and all of that. So, but the honor of it for me was being back, obviously, in, a, in the country where I'd grown up in, and even though this particular church I'd only been to one time before, two years before when they did this conference, there was just something about seeing those people again and, and the sense of the connectedness between me and them. Uh, and maybe the sense of connection because, yeah, sure, you know, being uh, Malaysian, but then also the connection of being in Christ and worshiping together. We did this night of worship that they had kind of open to the public and a couple thousand people there. And just the, the, the feeling of the power of saying, wow, look at this. You know, here we are. You know, and I brought a, a guy with me who'd been in the school of worship. And so, you know, here he is, kind of the only white guy on stage, you know. And, and we're singing these songs and, and there's something powerful about the picture and realizing, look, there's a connectedness that we have to one another, a connectedness that's real, you know. And, and, and the last thing that I did was on Sunday night, I went over to my parents' church, you know, which is about an hour outside the capital city of Malaysia. And uh, my parents were, were planting that church a few months before I left Malaysia to come back to the States to go to college. So this, you know, they, they started that church uh, October uh, of 1995. And so I've been back, you know, a few times, but there was something amazing about 
standing up, and they called a special service on Sunday evening, and there's about 100, 150 people, and we just, and to stand up, as soon as I stood up and looked at them, I got a bit emotional, because I realized this is a place of beginnings, you know, it's a place where, of so many beginnings for me, and, 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 and talking to families and couples that had been in that church for 15 years, since the very beginning, that were there, like, from day one with my parents, and just having those conversations and seeing them now with kids and all of this stuff, there's something just so rare about that, something so special about that, about that history, about that connectedness. And um, I wonder sometimes if we short-circuit that or we miss out on that because we're, we're always in a hurry to sort of say, well, uh, let me see what I can get out of this. Now, no one, none of us, wants to take the label consumer. Nobody wants that. In fact, it's, it's such an overused phrase, oh, consumeristic culture. It's like as soon as you hear the first part of that phrase, consu- you sort of zone out, you know. So wake back up. But when you hear that phrase, you kind of think, yeah, no, I've heard that. Yeah, yeah, sure. Everybody talks about, yeah, we're consumeristic, blah, 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 you know. And none of us wants to wear that. And yet all of us, myself included, have to be painfully aware of the ways that we are trained in the way of being a consumer and trained in the way of sort of thinking through the lens of me and, and my and what I want and all of this stuff. And it's, it's difficult. It's difficult because our society, we're, we're sort of, we're, we're bred into it, but it's also the, the, the nature within our hearts that gives us this bent. And I know last week one of the things Aaron talked about is just how much the church is sort of designed to kind of subvert our own selfishness. That the church really is designed to kind of expose our own, um, the strength of our own in hyper-individualism. I don't, I don't mean that we lose our individuality, but it forces us to sort of have to deal with people and situations and things that are not quite the way we like it. I, um, there's, I, I've told you this before, but there's a saying if you ever, you know, I've never been to a Benedictine monastery, but if you ever go... Uh, they'll say to you, you know, for a retreat, if you ever went there for a spiritual retreat, they'll say to you, welcome, this is their famous thing, they pride themselves in it. They'll say, hey, welcome, we're so glad you're here. Please, if there's anything that we can get for you or you, if there's anything that you need, please come and talk to one of the brothers and they'll teach you how to live without it. <laughs> and I, you know, I know at church we try to do a good job. We want to be excellent in this and that. We want to have coffee. We want to have good you know, children's ministry. We want, to do, we want to do everything well, and we understand the importance of that. And this is not a, a pass to be sloppy or a pass to, uh, you know, uh, to do things poorly. I'm not saying that at all. But there's something in us that has to say, okay, what if the point of this is not to get a good product, but what if the point of this is to embrace a messy family? What if the point of this is to say that I am a member of one another? Paul uses that phrase, and, and before we get into as a way of sort of setting up the thing about gossip, I just want to read you a few verses before the main verse that we'll read, and it's Ephesians 4.25. And in the NIV, he says, Therefore each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. I love that. In the message translation, let me read you the way Eugene Peterson puts it. It's really nice. What this adds up to then is this. No more lies. No more pretenses. Tell your neighbor the truth. Wow. In Christ's body, we're all connected to each other after all. 
When you lie to others, you end up lying to yourself. Now that's a way to think about that. We're not just talking about gossip, like, okay, yeah, let's talk about gossip as in don't gossip. Yeah, yeah, sure, okay, good, another reminder. Okay, thank you, you know, sure, you know. Who wouldn't disagree that we shouldn't gossip? I mean, even non-Christians would say we shouldn't gossip. What is especially Christian about saying that we don't gossip? The framework for this The thing that makes the subject uniquely Christian or the uniquely Christian angle on this is Paul saying that in Christ we are members of one another. We belong to one another. And so when you violate someone else, you end up violating yourself. In fact, when you look at some of the lists that Paul lists in in Ephesians and Colossians, whenever he does list sort of these ethical instructions, he very often will list uh, sexual sins, and then he'll list sins of the mouth, or sins of words, sins of language. And I think maybe why that is, is both of those things are ways of depersonalizing another being. That when you commit a sexual sin, you're devaluing the other person, you're desecrating them, you are devaluing personalizing them. And in the same way, when you gossip or slander or lie or are unkind, you are desecrating the the dignity of another person. You're depersonalizing them. Can we see the impact of that? Now, this word, members, is a fun word. It's the Greek word, melos. And maybe you don't recognize that because you think, well, members, okay, kind of sounds like melos. You know, if you looked at it, you'd think mellow, like Carmelo Anthony or whatever, you know. Um, but, but it's related to the Greek word melodia. Anyone take a guess at what melodia means? To sing, melody, yeah, to sing. Melos simply is a song. And when Paul says you're melos with one another, it's a way of using this metaphor of saying you're part of the same song. You're one song with each other. Now, I, I, I've dabbled in songwriting some. And we, we're getting ready for a new life recording in about 10 days where we're going to do a brand new live recording. Matthew Fountain's not only playing on it, but producing it all while going to seminary, you know. So we need to pray for the Fountain family over the next few months. But, but we've, been, we've been sitting in these meetings listening to new songs. And it's really an interesting process because one of the things, and I'll let you in on sort of the, the muso world. I know there's a lot of school worship students. You already know this, but some of you, this may be totally foreign. But when you look at a song, one of the things you ask yourself is, does this song feel like it is cohesive? Does it belong together? When you, when you, write the, when you sing the verse, does the verse feel like it leads into the chorus? And when you sing the chorus, does it lead you back down to the next verse? And do the, does the melody work? Do the lyrics work? Is there a pre-chorus or a bridge or a second bridge or, you know, like, whatever. Does this song sort of flow together? And I think what Paul is saying to us is, look, if you are in Christ, and all of us, I think, are, because we are in Christ, we are one melody together. We're one song together. That means you can't sort of pretend that, well, I'm a pretty good line And it's just going to be me and my line. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Amazing grace, how sweet, you know. And sort of keep singing that line as if that line was good enough to stand on its own. It's a great line, but it leads into all the others. Does that make sense? When you think of a great song, you think of a song that has good individual phrases and sections, sure, but it all belongs together. 
What good is an opening line if you don't have a follow-up, good follow-up line? What good is a follow-up line if you don't have a good other line beyond that? What good is a great chorus without a great verse? It all belongs together. It's one melos. And this is the picture that I want you to get. We are one song together. One melody, one song. And part of the trouble with gossip is when we engage in it, when we say something disparaging about another person, we imagine for half a second maybe, we imagine that we don't belong to that person. It's a way of distancing ourselves. It's a way of saying, well, I mean, I think that, I mean, I would never, but they, and it's a way of sort of forgetting that we are part of one melody, one song together. Ephesians 4.29 is the main text for this, and so four verses after the one I just read says this, Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their own needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Again, I want to read this to you in the message just to get a fresh reading of some of these phrases. Watch the way you talk. Let nothing foul or dirty come out of your mouth. Say only what helps each word a gift. I love that. Oh, Holy Spirit, can we live that way where each word is a gift? I want to live that way. This phrase, building others up in the NIV, that word for building up is oikodome, and it's, it, it is kind of this, it's a similar word used in construction, just sort of building a building, you know, like building stuff. And what's funny is in the NIV phrase of it where he says, um, you know, don't, don't let any unwholesome talk or corrupt. That word that he uses there literally means corrupt or rotten. So if you're thinking about this whole pic- word picture together, imagine Paul saying something like this. You're there to be a construction worker to each other. Build each other. But don't use rotten materials. Don't use rotten wood. Now, I've, I've never built um, anything to speak of. I mean, I've assembled quite a few things out of a box. Uh, and even then, when you assemble something out of the box, you, it's always frustrating when you're trying to put something together and you can tell that it's been cheap workmanship or whatever because you try to fit the piece and they don't quite fit or like the one side fits but you can't get the other side to fit and you're like kind of pounding it. And, you know, and, and you're, you're convinced that whoever, whoever, whatever factory that prefabricated these parts just didn't quite, you know. Or imagine trying to make a deck or make something else where all your lumber was rotten and just you know, worm-eaten and weak. You wouldn't want to build with that. As soon as you put the first nail in, it's going to split. This is, in a way, the image that we're given is, look, if you're going to build someone up, your, your materials can't be this rotten materials. You can't let it be. Unwholesome talk is not going to do the job. Unwholesome talk, corrupt slander, words that don't be... If, just as you can't build with rotten, corrupted materials, you can't build each other up with rotten words. Now, this is like, oh, hello, Captain Obvious, right? But just, again, lose yourself in the imagination of this. Picture this. Just as you can't build something. You know, no one would set out on a building project and say, I don't care, any old lumber will do. You, you want to look for the two-by-fours that don't have warps in it, and you don't want them to sort of bend. You know, I, I've learned these things. Many of my projects, I accompany the person to Lowe's, and I'll you know, pay for it. But I watch them. You know, they're looking at the wood, and I'm like, what are you looking for you know, in that wood? I pick things up. Just as you can't build with rotten and corrupted materials, you can't build each other up with rotten words. And some of the most common 
Rotten words is, of course, words of gossip. What is gossip? What is it? Because, again, gossip is one of those church words that, or, or words that we've heard, I guess, uh, particularly in church settings, and everybody knows we shouldn't gossip. In fact, nobody would, gossip itself is not one of those words that's sort of a gray area, you know? Well, I suppose, you know, the word itself, everybody would say, no, 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 we're not supposed to. And so if it, if it stared us in the face as the monster that it is, all of us would say, no way, I'm not going to do that. But the trouble is, this is one of those monsters of disguise that comes in different ways. And we sort of find ourselves, I find myself saying something and thinking, oh, man, why did I, I didn't mean to, I shouldn't. Yeah. And then you realize, you know what, that was gossip. That was not what I wanted to so one kind of way of thinking about it is gossip is telling the wrong information about someone else to anyone. Like, yeah, duh, you know, of course, right? But, you know, to give all of us the benefit of the doubt, most of the things that, that do end up being gossip, and we're telling it, and it does end up being wrong information, most of the time, if we're honest about it, we didn't think it was the wrong information. We thought it was true. But nobody ever pressed us to say, well, how do you know that? I can tell, man, there's so many, and it's hard for me as I was thinking about the sermon, I was thinking about stories or examples, and I, could, I, I found myself saying, I can't use that, I can't use that, lest I actually do what we're learning not to do, <laughs> you know? But I can think of times of myself where I'll say something to Holly, and I'll say, no, I'm pretty sure that so-and-so is, and I usually start out being fairly certain, you know, like, oh, well, I, I think he's not coming because of this or that. Well, well do you know that? Well, no, I don't really know that, I guess. But I'm sure, I mean, look, connect the dots. And most of the time, we're connecting the dots, and we're so brilliant. You know, we're like, uh, you know, whatever, the, the, the inspector, whoever. We're like Sherlock Holmes. We're, we know how to connect the dots. And oh, I'm, 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 I'm convinced that I'm reading the signs correctly, and I know that's why she said that. And I know that's what she meant, and I know that's what he meant, and I know when he did this, he was trying to, and that's, you know what, that's just what he does. And we say things like that all the time. I mean, think about the gravity of that statement. Oh, well, you know, that's just the way he is, you know. Or that, well, that's, you know, I've seen it, man. I've seen it over and over again. That is the way he works. How do you know that? How do you know that that's what's happening here and this? We don't know. And so sometimes without knowing that it's the wrong information, we start saying it. And then all of a sudden you, you, you end up doing something. And we'll talk about the... the, the ramifications of it in just a moment. But kind of the second um, dimension of it, I guess, is telling the right information about someone else, but to the wrong person. So many times I've found myself, I've heard others say, in a, in a conversation they'll say, well, you know what? It's true. Or, <laughs> this is my favorite, well, I'm just saying. <laughs> That's my favorite. Especially when you tweet it, you know? Like you use Twitter or Facebook, and you're like, you just like slam like a whole group of people, and you're like, well, just saying, you know, and that's like permission to do that, you know. Like, why is that? Per- and you could be saying something that is true, and man, I can't tell you how many times I've done this, uh, particularly with this quote-unquote social network stuff, you know. It's like you say something, and you're like, why did I say that? And it just went out to, you know, and I'm, I'm, you know, whatever, challenging this thing, and I think I'm like the holy crusader challenging this or challenging that, and it's like, you know, 
You're saying something that's true, but you're saying it to the wrong people. You're saying it to your random Facebook friends. But that's not even the people to tell, you know? It's, uh, listen, do you ever read news feeds? I've stopped. Because sometimes reading the news feeds, it's just sort of like, wow, I just, I don't know whether it's voyeurism or exhibitionism. You know, someone wrote an article, I think in Relevant, kind of talking about that. What, what is this thing where we want to sort of air it all out for everybody? And in the name of venting, we do a lot of damage to each other. I know there's a need to safely process something, but I suspect that the, the number of safe people is a very, very small number. And again, the purpose, I think, for us as believers is never just venting. I'd like to challenge that. I think the purpose for us is never purely venting. I think the purpose for us as believers is, can I process with someone who ultimately is going to help me do what I can to re- reconcile and restore this relationship? If I share this with a, can I share this with a person who I know is going to help remind me that I'm members of one another, that I'm part of the same song as this other person, that I can't fully separate my, you know, can I, instead of sort of saying, well, I'm just going to vent this to my spouse, and there you have it. Because what happens, and I'm just going to, this is a quick little list, this is like, uh, in, you know, super obvious stuff, but give you just a quick list of what it ends up doing, and we, we know this, we've probably been the um, unfortunate victims in some ways of this. Well, gossip ends up bringing division. That, that whole thing of being members of one another, of belonging to one another, of being connected, what gossip kind of does is it eats away at that. It, it undermines that connection and sort of makes you and the person you're venting to feel like you're on your own and they're over there, right? It sort of has this thing of like, well, hey, I'm just telling you and, whew, well, at least we don't do that, honey. I think spouses, we can do this a lot. But it brings a division maybe between you guys and those guys, and then all of a sudden you forget that we're members of one another. And gossip also destroys a reputation. Again, obvious, and there's lots of verses throughout the Scriptures. There's one in Proverbs that talks specifically about that. But it's always a good thing to remember when someone's telling you something to say, well, hang, hang on, first of all, maybe I don't need to know this. I'm really not sure I need to know this. Um, and sometimes it's good even to ask, now, do you mind if I ask the other person about this? Uh, that usually shuts down the conversation, you know? And I've learned with our kids, even with our kids, you know, five and three, and I won't say who does what, but they fight. I've told you this. Our kids are not saints. They're growing. They're learning maturity, you know? Uh, but once in a while, when, when they fight, one will come sobbing because they're girls, and so when they fight, it's, it's, it's hard not to laugh sometimes. Um, but they, but they uh, you know, one will come sobbing uh, to, to Holly or I and say, you know, so-and-so hit me. And I used to sort of think, okay, you know, I used to right away be like, hey, you know, come here. Why'd you hit your sister? Now I sort of, I've gotten a little bit wiser to it. And I say, okay, well, hang on. Both of you come here. Now, now, did you hit her? Yes. Now, why did you hit her? And then I find out, well, that's because she said that I can't play with her toys anymore and that I had to go to my room because I'm, you know. I'm like, well, that wasn't very nice. And so one's hitting, but the other's being really rude with words. Both are you know, in, in a low-degree way, sort of violating one another, you know. And I think realizing, okay, when you hear stuff about someone else, there's always another side, right? There's always more to this. And so to be able to say, well, hang on, let, 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 me, let me stop that. 
Because in the end, and this is what I loved about the, the message translation of the one verse we read where it says when you lie to someone else, you end up lying to yourself. Because gossip in the end reveals a lack of integrity. In the end, it, it, it shames us. Because it shows that, well, I guess, I guess you don't know how to handle it if you saw someone fall, or if you saw someone do this, or if you saw someone make a mistake, you saw someone get mad, and you, you're the person that can't be trusted. But you know, the, the uncomfortable reality is that our words always betray our hearts. And um, that's why our New Testament reading was the gospel reading of Jesus saying that. Look, it's not what goes into a person that defiles him, but what comes out of him. As in all of this stuff is in your heart. That the, the violence, that whatever, you know. And, and I think that's maybe the, the most uncomfortable thing, the pinch of all of this, is that the Holy Spirit would say to us, okay, the issue is not that, okay, well, I need to do a better job with my words and all that. Sure. But you know what? The words aren't really the problem. The words are the symptom. It's like when you get a fever. You get the fever because there's an infection in your system, in your immune system. In the same way, gossip is just a symptom that there's an infection in your heart. The reason you're saying something about someone else, the reason you find yourself wanting to tell somebody, oh, well, you know, and I, man, I, I've struggled with this. I used to come, uh, I remember this one occasion where I came back from a particular conference where I got to meet a person who was, you know, sort of a, whatever, Christian celebrity person or whatever, and, uh, and had, a, had an interaction with that person that um, was a funny story, but it also allowed me to sort of put that person in a lesser light than me. And I remember coming back, and I was like, oh, yeah, you want to hear, I got to meet so-and-so, and, uh, and uh, you know, yeah, man, this person really, da 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 and I just thought, oh, why did I say that? I just said that maybe to make myself feel better about myself, maybe because I resented the influence that they, whatever it was, it's sort of, the issue is not zip it, the issue is clean it up. Does that make sense? We could have a nice talk about gossip and say, come on people, let's say nice things to each other and then all go out of here and all try to do better at sort of zipping our lips. But that's not the issue. The issue is we've got gross stuff in our hearts. And the real thing that, 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 we've, that the Holy Spirit wants to get at is to say, well, why? Why is that there? Do you resent them? Are you jealous of them? Have you not forgiven them? That's why we talked about unforgiveness before even talking about gossip. Because, look, we're, we're going to get offended by people probably a few times a day. But not everything warrants a conversation, right? But if you find yourself something rises up in you every time, you know, like a person's trying to do something nice for you, like brings a meal over to your house, and you're like, hmm, why does she always have to be so perfect and always the first one to volunteer for me? Like, dude, she's bringing you a meal, you know? Like, maybe there's something there. What is there? And, and to say, all right, Holy Spirit, I don't want the lesson to be, okay, fine, I'll learn to control my words. I want the lesson to be, okay, I want to have a clean heart. I want to have a heart that's forgiven someone else. I want to have a heart that, that says, I, I know that I belong to this other person. So even if we are at odds, I can't get away from them. We belong to one another. We're members of one another. And so we've got to figure this out, at least in a way to be kind to one another, at least in a way where I will not speak ill of that person. You know, all those sorts of things. Does that make sense? And so a couple of just real simple, obvious, practical stuff that I think we could try to do, and this is right out of Matthew 18, verse 15 through 17. We know this. 
If your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault just between the two of you. If he listens to you, you will have won your brother over. I love that. You've won your brother over. But if you will not listen, then take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. And if he listens to them, tell it to the church. If he refuses to listen to the church, treat him as you would a pagan or a tax collector. And you know the very next verse? I tell you the truth, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I tell you that if two on earth... Two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for. It will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three come together in my name, there I am with them. How many times have we heard the latter part of that passage quoted, but not the first part? I've heard it loads. It's like the greatest way to open a worship service. Hey, come on in, everybody. Jesus said, wherever two or three are gathered, there he is with us. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. You know, we start singing the song. It's like, it's like a, you know what? That's not a call to worship passage. That's a you belong to one another passage. That's Jesus saying that, look, if you're going to be my covenant people, as in the people with whom I have covenant with and you have covenant back with me, if you're going to be in the family of God, if you're going to belong to the people of God, you've got to realize that there's got to be agreement. There's got to be some sort of place where you get to, where you realize that you have to be members, that you are members of one another. And when you can agree on that, you recognize that, wait, here's Jesus. Oh yeah, we're connected to him. There's a whole rabbit trail we could take here to to explain that binding and loosing in the Gospels is not at all about spiritual warfare the way we have sometimes heard it or thought about it as in binding demons and loosing angels or whatever. That's not even there. The way that the gospel writers talk about binding and loosing is about this idea of forgiveness. And if you bind, so he's saying to them, look, if you tell someone that they are not forgiven, they're not forgiven. It better be the same as it is in heaven. And loosing, it's about the authority of the church as it began to sort of say who in Jesus' name is in the family. And there's a whole thing we could say about that. But the point here tonight is this. When a person comes to you and starts venting, what if we could get in the habit of saying, oh, hang on, hang on, hey, um, listen, I, I am so sorry that you're hurt, and I'm so sorry that you're going through this, but you know, I'm not sure it's going to be helpful for me to know this. Could we do that? I don't want us to be mean to one another and be like, hey, man, don't gossip. Like, you all of a sudden become like the gossip police. Like, that's ridiculous. But to be able to say, because you're still members with that person too. And to be able to say to them, hey, look, hey, Joe, I know that you're hurting through this. And I, you know, I, I empathize with you. And I'm going to pray for you. But man, I, I just don't know that I should know about that. Because, you know, there's nothing I can do about that. Who's the right person? Who's the wrong person? The wrong person is someone who, number one, is not the one who's offended you. And number two, is not the elder of the church who could do something about it. Does that make sense? The wrong person is always, the wrong person to start with is always anybody but the one who's offended you. And so to be able to say, hey, look, I, I'm just, I'm not sure I need to know this, but hey, w- you know what? I'll pray for you to, uh, to, have the, to maybe have the moments or the courage or whatever to be able to talk to this other person. 
oh, oh, well, uh, well, I mean, I, no, I'm fine with them. <laughs> no, 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 we're cool. No, he, I mean, no, I love him. He's fine, you know. Really? Because it didn't sound like you were cool with him. Just, and, you know, but really, the thing that we need to let the Holy Spirit work on with us is before we begin to say something, say, Holy Spirit, catch me. Catch me as it's coming out of my heart and into my mouth. Stop it there, and then later let me go back into my heart and say, all right, so what was that again? Oh, yeah, unforgiveness. So what was that again? Oh, yeah, uh, anger or jealousy or resentment or, you see what I'm saying? And then to say, all right, Holy Spirit, I repent of that. Clean me up of that. I'm a member of that person. We belong to the same melody. We're in the same song. Wouldn't be the same song without them. Wouldn't be the same song without me. We're members of one another. Let's pray. Father, we believe that you are the creator of a masterpiece. That the church, we, the church, are that masterpiece. You say it. Ephesians 2.10, we are God's workmanship. We are your poem. We are your artwork. I know for myself, and I know for so many of us, we want to sort of take control, take creative control away from you and edit out parts of the artwork or edit out parts of the song that we don't think belongs anymore. (sighs) Father, help us to trust you that you're putting together this song, this melody, this masterpiece. And we belong together. So when something works right or it doesn't work right, when we get frustrated with someone or something, Help us not to let our first impulse be to leave or to say something bad, but to subvert our own selfishness. Holy Spirit, subvert our own selfishness. Subvert our own tendency to sort of make maverick decisions about where we want to go and even the church we want to call a home church. Help us to be the people that really, really embrace that we belong to one another right here all of us here so clean up our hearts convict us of things show us the things that our words are coming from the pride the anger the jealousy the selfishness the resentment the fear show us the dark places that those words are coming from and then clean that up so that then the words that come from us give life and build up build up and build up that in this way we'll display the wisdom of God the Father it's in Jesus' name that we pray everybody said Amen Amen it's so good to be back with you love you all have a great week and we'll see you next Sunday